Hey, welcome to Live on Real Estate. Uh, I'm David Hall. This is your Thanksgiving edition, and we got uh, most of the, yeah, all the usual suspects here. No Henry, but uh, Chris Foster is with us today. Mr. Foss, how are you? Morning, guys. Good to see you. Mr. Pizzoli. Morning. Chris Pizzoli and uh, Phil Lipinski. What's going on, everybody? Philly, Philly. How are you? Good. Everything's good? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thinking about changing the name of the show, by the way. Mm-hmm. So look for that in the next episode. This is the Thanksgiving edition, and uh, if you're tuned in on social and watching us and not listening to us, you will notice my uh, Michigan uh, yeah. baseball cap because it is Ohio State week. So, you know, I usually don't do this, but, you know, this is the week where hopefully we uh, turn the tables on the boys from Ohio State. We'll have to see Who's the Spartans goes. got this week? They got always. Maryland, a big game against Maryland. and Yeah. The highlight of that game is yesterday there was a big report in the paper that on StubHub you can buy a ticket for $1. Mm-hmm. So it's a really sought-after game that those Spartans are playing. Five and six, though, to go bowling. You know What do you think, uh, CP? I don't know. Shouldn't we talk about like <laughs> khakis or something like that? about basketball, like that? too? I mean, yeah, Didn't the usually... basketball team lose Ooh, last night? Ooh, big loss last night. Oh. All right. Not great. Pizzo- Moving on. Pizzoli's having a rough year. His dolphins are tanking, and, <laughs> and his Spartans are not off to a good start in hoops and football. They will rough, be fine. But... It's November. That's not when our basketball team plays. I, I agree with that. Sure. Okay. Uh, lots to talk about uh, this week on the show. Thanksgiving edition of Live on Real Estate. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to talk about rates. Foster's going to take us through his four quadrants of how consumers should think about uh, fees, costs, and other things in the mortgage. Or we could recall it, or we could call it four quad rats. Well, people don't see the notes. Yeah, okay. Got okay, it. got it. You, you just you got really interested got in that, didn't that, you? Yeah. you liked mm-hmm. it. Um, October, October home sale prices, we're going to talk about that, and then a little credit card um, debt discussion this week. But before we get started, well, as we get started... Want to talk about where mortgage interest rates are uh, historically and for the year. And the reason I want to do that is uh, there's a lot of talk in the news. You know, rates are at all-time lows. Rates are at their lows of the year. But we have a chart. What camera are we on here? Where are we at, Chris? We over here? Where are we at? Over here? Any? Okay. Got the chart. I just want to make sure everybody can see the chart. So when you see a chart like that, that means you're at the bottom of the trough, if you can see that. So basically... If you look at this year's rates, we are within, I would say, 20 basis points, 25, which is basically almost, you could almost call it negligible, of the lows of the year. And I think that's interesting because what I want to talk about on the show, and I wanted to get your guys' perspective on it, is, you know, because people don't, aren't involved in the day-to-day of mortgage rates and they may have felt like they missed the boat already but we are at the lows right now here on thanksgiving of this year and over the last 10 years i've heard you talk about on the Mm -hmm. phone phil except for 2016 we're at the low of the last 10 years and so um as, as we just think about that i'm just wondering the conversations you guys are having people what are what are people thinking where rates are versus the reality because sometimes Rates are higher. Sometimes they're lower than what the consumer's sort of perspective is on it. CP, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. Um, I would say it, it varies so much because everyone's situation is so different. You know, more so nowadays, your credit score, your L, you know, your your equity position in the home really so much determines where your interest rate is. I yeah. feel like far more than than in years past. Yeah. So it, it's kind of hard to to answer because it's so specific to each individual. But as a general statement, I think people are fairly in tune with the fact that rates are good. You do. You know, you guys talk about the last 10 years. I mean, I, I tell people 
this is like in history. Yeah. You know, I mean, they are about as good as they have ever been in the history of interest rates. So, I mean, you know, I don't know what what more you can say or what what more anybody would want. Well, and that's one of the <laughs> that's one of the reasons that I wanted to yeah. to get this chart and this graph and look at and just to give everybody sort of a perspective. Uh, here we are. Um, I, you know, just you're talking about tenths of a percentage point where rates were slightly lower in August than they are right now in September. But I'm talking about not even a ten. You're, you're talking yeah. about eight hundredths of a percent. So right. again. You know, if you went to buy a car and they said, hey, this is within, you know, let's say that 199 is the lowest they've ever been and it was at 2.04, you'd be like, okay, well, that's pretty much the low, yeah. which is where we're at right now. And I thought that perspective would be important. Faz, are you finding the same thing when you're talking to people or what are, what are perceptions out there? Because part of the mission of the show is to bring the reality of what's going on to people. I think the biggest problem that we run into as a company is like when people hear a lot, like when people are in tune to like the news and they read a lot of Wall Street journals or they, you know, go on to CNBC on a daily basis and they see all the, the media and what they're talking about. That's probably the clients that aren't like, let's go. Right. Yeah. The ones that like just call and, you know, they have a four and a half percent rate and they talk to Phil or CP and they can get down to three point eight seven five and, um, you know, save tons of money in interest. That's the biggest thing that clients have to understand right now. We've done more refinances for clients that have bought a house or refinanced in the last 18 months, I would right. say, mm -hmm. than even some of our past clients from 16 and 17 because they're probably in a good rate already. And the the hardest thing for a client to understand is when you come back and say, hey, I'm getting you from 475 to 375 and you're going to save $82 a month, most people are like, oh, I thought it was going to be more than that. Yeah. And the problem is it's that's not where the savings is. you got to look right. at the savings over the time, the amount of interest you're going to save, and now you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. So that's really, if, if you're just looking to call a company and say, what's your rate, and then do all the math yourself and see if it's worth it, then you're doing it the wrong way. you got to call us. you got to call a mortgage company and see, you know, really dig into the numbers. Yeah, I mean, I look at earlier this year, too. I mean, you can see on here four and a half is what most people are getting. It's pretty evident in the last, I'd say, 120 days that all the people were refinancing majority are past clients or people that bought their house late last year, early this year is a huge percentage of our business right now. And kind of to see peace point, I'd say right now, at least since I've been in the industry, people are more spot on with where rates are than they have been before. Mm -hmm. I had clients a year and a half ago that were thinking rates were still 3.5% <laughs> and they're really getting four and a quarter where now it seems everybody's kind of on the same page of where they are. Like he said too, there's always going to be weird circumstances where credit score is a little bit lower things like that but overall it's it's definitely a good time to do it well so, yeah. and and the good thing of like i think the reasoning behind that is we've seen a pretty steady rate market over the last six months right we haven't seen really i mean we've seen a little bit of up and down but like once you get down you know i had a client the other day that was i told him his rate was four percent and he's like can you do any lower and I'm like, well, you know, maybe he goes even three nine nine. I just want to, I just want to feel that I'm in the threes. Right. So again, understanding that sometimes yep. it's just the the feel good as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The last thing I'll say on that too, just to not to to go too far down, but the example you gave of the client saving eighty two dollars a month, we are seeing so many of those clients apply that eighty two dollars a month back as additional principal once they refinance. 
And I think that is a huge understated way to find to, to refinance your house. Don't go into it thinking I'm going to put this extra, you know, hundred and fifty dollars a month into my pocket. And when we run the numbers, it isn't one fifty. It's ninety. Yeah. And you're disappointed. You put that ninety right back onto your principal, and you reduce your term of your loan from thirty years down to twenty two years or something. That's like you were saying. That's the true savings inside the numbers. So. I think one of the biggest differences between uh, my early days in this business and today is the pick is pick your term. Yeah. So if if you've got somebody who is saving eighty bucks, but instead of saving the eighty bucks, you move their term down from like you know thirty years to twenty six years. Right. Now all of a sudden, maybe they're paying eleven bucks more, but they cut two do- two years off their mortgage. Now it's more beneficial, or yeah. at least they perceive it that way. Because to your point, people don't imagine eighty two dollars is a lot of money monthly, but it is if it's going towards your principal every month, and then you know over a year's time, you know it's thousand bucks and. That sort sort of starts to add up, especially as your principal goes down. So, yep. I, I think that the advent of hey, we don't have to go back to a thirty year, and and maybe you can't afford a twenty year, but we can do a twenty seven year or right. a twenty four year. And I yep. think that that's been really good. And I know that it creates an opportunity for people to have more of a benefit by refinancing than maybe they used to perceive. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You, you guys, I know you guys talk about that with clients all the time. I mm-hmm. do too. The other big thing too, I just want to touch on before we move into the next subject is probably when people ask me, what's the big, I get, I get interviewed sometimes. What's the biggest category of people refinancing? And they expect me to say something other than what I say. Cause I say people with mortgage insurance because of rising values. So if you bought a house in 2016 or 2017 or 2018, there's a high likelihood going into 2020 that you can eliminate or reduce your mortgage insurance. If you didn't put 20% down, uh, with uh, a refinance because we've got rising values all over the place. And I think that's been a big piece of business. Yeah, I yeah. think it's super important to you, man. What, what you mentioned is, is either completely eliminate it or at least reduce it. I have a lot of people that I talk to that just are not don't want to pay the PMI, just look at it as kind of extra interest, which really that's what it is. Doesn't benefit them in any way. Right. A lot of times I'll have well, somebody. Well, they don't factor it into their rate, which you have to do. Yeah, yeah I think absolutely. they have this great rate, yeah. but they're also paying a hundred bucks in PMI, so the rate's not four anymore. It's five. It's a whole different ballgame. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I, I have a lot of people where they're paying one fifty a month in PMI, and we can reduce that down, chop it down to thirty eight dollars a month. Yeah. It's going to fall off in two or three years because we get a new appraisal. Now your loan to value, well, you have equity in the home, that goes down a little bit, so it's actually going to fall off sooner. You save the one fifty a month. In the CP's point, you apply it back towards the principal, the PMI is going to fall off even sooner. Yeah. Just makes a lot of sense for a lot of people to do right now, especially over the past 24 months. I think we've cut our mortgage insurance premiums that people pay, what, three times, three, three times, or four times? Yep. Well, and you so. bring up a good point in regards to like reducing it, right? Especially if you're in an FHA loan where you put the minimum payment down or down payment, which is 3.5%, that no longer falls off. Right. right. If you're putting three and a half percent down on a 30 year FHA mortgage that is on there until you refinance or pay off the loan, whatever it may be. Now, if you can go from an FHA to a conventional, reduce the PMI. And now, you know, once you hit that 80 percent or 78 percent mark, you're going to be able to now eliminate it altogether. That's huge. It's an advent advantage yep. for the client as no well. No doubt. All right. Before we go into four quadrants with Foster, which I think is a, um, you know, an important subject, uh, Chris Foster became famous on LinkedIn for his mortgage minute about the four quadrants. I just first need to ask you a question, something that I'm observing. You, you have, for those of you that are watching us on social right now, you you have 
have your um, you have a vest on, you know, right now, kind of a, a sort of not not a not an office vest, but like an outdoor vest. Mm-hmm. And I just find that interesting because we'll play golf, you and I, in forty degree weather, and you'll act like it's like hot out. You know, you'll have a short sleeve shirt, but yet you have a vest on in seventy degree. I'm just curious what's going. A little on warm there. right now. You are warm. Yeah, I'm warm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you, you're thinking about taking it off? Well, I'm not going to change the appearance during the show. Well, I think a lot of, you know, it just adds a dynamic no to the whole changes. thing. No yeah. wardrobe like changes. The Grammy. Usually it comes off in the morning, a little chilly this morning when okay. I came in, so uh-huh. kept it this way. was drinking a cold drink. You got me on these um, clean juice, Yeah. so I'm going to end up spending like $1,000 oh, in a right year. And you're going to be healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Isn't he going to be more yeah, healthy? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, well, that place is unbelievable. Shocking, shocking prices. Shocking. prices. <laughs> But oh, you almost incredible. think, man, this must be really good for me if I'm paying this much. I mean, it's... Let's get into the four shocking. quadrants. The four quadrants, um, Chris, I, I feel like it's been a really good thing for clients to see, to sort of bring clarity to what it is that they're getting when they get a mortgage. You want to maybe try and quickly walk us through it, and I'd love to get Phil and uh, Chris's comments surrounding you know, how consumers should be thinking about pricing, costs, interest, all the things that factor into getting a mortgage when they're either purchasing or refinancing. Right. So, you know, one of the things I found out a couple of years ago was when you see just a loan estimate, which, you know, by law, once you start a process, you get a loan estimate. On the first page, it just black and white, it says closing costs. And that closing cost usually is a pretty high number. You know, it, probably I would say the average is somewhere between like seven and $10,000 that you would see on, on a loan estimate. Now, that's what, not really their closing costs. That's not really their closing costs. Closing costs, I think, from our state, our standpoint are what are you actually paying third parties to do this loan so i came up with what i call a you know four quadrants so the four quadrants are um and we'll take a a purchase example on a purchase the first quadrant is your down payment your down payment's never going to be included in your closing costs but it is money that you have to bring to the table. So part of the deal. Part of the deal. Yeah. This is what clients want to know. How much money am I going to write a check for at the end? So, you know, more than likely, on when it comes to uh, your purchase price, you have you know three and a half percent down on FHA, potentially three percent on a conventional. Whatever you want to do for a down payment, as long as it's at least the minimum. So that's quadrant one. That's going to be the equal among all lenders. Quadrant two is going to be what we consider your lender controlled costs. So a lot of times these costs don't actually go directly to who you're working with. They're going through the lender who the lender's controlling this. So like the appraisal, we have to go through a third party appraisal management company. So we're collecting the money, but at the end it's going to the appraisal credit report. Uh, tax service fee, maybe a flood certificate. And a lot of these things are just re- very, very small, but they're third-party costs. The the lender-controlled third-party costs, that's the one quadrant that you really want to look at from one lender to the next. The last two quadrants are going to be your title work. You need title with every single mortgage transaction, whether or not you're purchasing, whether or not you're refinancing. One thing I get a lot is, you know, well, why do I have to pay title if I'm paying the home in cash? The, the has nothing to do with the mortgage, right? There has to be a title company in every real estate transaction. So if you're got a lot of money and you're just buying houses, you're still paying title. And title is going to be pretty much the same no matter what title company you're in. So it's not something you really want to compare when you're comparing lenders. And then last but not least, probably the biggest portion of your closing costs is establishing your escrow account. 
um, and establishing your escrow account is still your money, but it's money you have to bring to the table up front. So to kind of just do a quick recap, you got your down payment. It's going to be the same whatever lender you go with. You're going to have your title work pretty much going to be the same because you're going to choose the same title company no matter who you go with. Escrows and prepaid items, those are determined by the homeowner's insurance that you get and the taxes on the current property. So those are going to be the same. And then the one different can be, you know, the lender controlled cost. But even when you're looking at that, not taking into account discount points, and I don't want to go too deep here, but just your normal fees, it's going to be very, very hard to see a difference between probably any more than $500 from one lender to the next. So make sure you're doing that, comparing the rate, comparing the lender controlled costs. Those are really what you want to do when you're looking at these numbers. And I thought that uh, the fact that, you know, you kind of figured out a simple way to break it down and you started talking to consumers in this way. And the reason we started talking about it is because you were getting a lot of feedback of, oh, okay, that makes more sense, you know, versus the traditional way that it got explained or how it even lays out on the forms that the government makes us use. Right. And I think everybody's kind of taken it in and kind of, you know, I know Phil doesn't do it exactly like me. I know CP doesn't do it exactly like me, but we've all kind of learned together to like be able to, you know, I, I hate to say this, but mortgages, you said it last week, Phil, or two weeks ago, mortgages aren't easy. So like we have to kind of dummy it down whether or not, you know, you're Einstein or, you know, whatever it may be. So what what do you see, Phil? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing since we've kind of implemented this, and like you said, every loan officer that we have kind of has a little bit of their own flavor when they explain it to clients. But the biggest thing that I notice is when a client gets an offer accepted after I pre-approve them and we're starting the loan process, ordering an appraisal and putting their purchase in process, is they don't really have a lot of questions about the numbers per se because they already fully understand everything. Where in the past, I, I've even had clients, and I know some of our other guys and other companies probably get it way more than us, but somebody gets an offer accepted, they have no clue what they got to bring to closing, what their payment's going to be. We just don't really get a lot of those questions when somebody gets an offer accepted. They understand when I tell them, hey, they need to come up with 40000 they understand what is going to what in the four quadrants and kind of what it is. Yep. And just not a lot of people do that, so that's why like when we get somebody pre-approved, we get them fully qualified we don't have anybody that doesn't qualify we pre-approve but they also understand at least where their money is going which i think yeah. is super important to the consumer of what am i paying for i think one of the things i really like about the way we do it and and to your point of when when a consumer does compare the prepaid and escrows should be a section that is not really a comparison right because it's your property it taxes it is, and yeah. it's your homeowner's insurance the problem is we run into lenders or other institutions that will only show you their portion of it. So when you're buying a home, some of that property tax is money you're reimbursing the seller. It's yeah. got nothing to do with us. You're right. paying the seller back from, for taxes that they've already paid in advance. We show the full amount. Here's what you're paying back to the seller. Here's what you're putting into escrow. It's going to be about a full year in advance. Another, you know, Some other institutions out there will just simply show, you, know, you only need this much money for escrow. And it's not quite telling the full story. And then story. at closing, so, and then surprise, closing, surprise, there's an extra couple thousand dollars. Could you be need, ten. Right? Yeah, could be ten thousand. You know, yep. I mean, just depending so, on the how much yep. they have to reimburse. I think that that's the simplicity of the four quadrants. Exactly. There, there are certain things that this quadrant is going to be whatever it's going to be. There's nothing yeah. to compare here. Right. You know, and I think that that is something that every consumer needs to know. I know that, you know, whether it is that we're looking at getting new benefits at Hall Financial or 
whether you know I'm getting car insurance, like things I don't deal with every day. The more simple somebody can explain it to me and lay right. it out for me, makes yep. it easier for me to make a decision. Plus, I want to work with that person because yeah. I feel like they can translate their industry jargon into something that makes sense for me. <laughs> right. And that's the same kind of thing that I think that we've had success with here is how do we make it so that the consumer understands what they're getting and feels good about it? And we're pretty conservative with our approach. So when people come to the closing, they're not oh, I, I need another $1,200 you didn't tell me about? Well, yeah, I, I didn't put it on the thing because that's not to us, but that's to the su- – well, it doesn't matter. It's right. my transaction. I need to know how much money I need to bring. It's always been a hot button for me. And Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, unfortunately, I don't know if the, you know this is good or bad, but I would say 95% of our final numbers, I come back and I, I look at a lot of them. I know you yeah. love that, boss, right? Yeah. Um, and it's like five hundred, a thousand dollars less than what we estimated. Of course, and, and everybody yeah. likes that. Yep. You know, and that's exactly. why we get a lot. Of yeah, I always tell reviews. people I would rather lose your loan up front because I'm over conservative on your numbers. Obviously, we want to get the business, but I have lost some where our numbers are cash to close a little bit higher. We always like to be conservative. I tell people I'd rather you bring five dollars less than a dollar more. If you yeah. bring a dollar more, you're going to hate me. If it's five dollars less, you love Hall Financial. You're going to yeah. give us a five star review. That's right. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do a little rapid fire here, guys. Um, okay. Just going to go around and get your thoughts on this. Uh, let's start with, um, I want to just discuss for a couple of minutes, you know, the importance of a lender closing loans quickly. I mean, we're, we're very proud at Hall Financial that um, half of our loans, rough number, half of our loans were, have cleared to close in two weeks or less. Um, and that number's been going up. But it's so important in a purchase transaction from the standpoint of when you're negotiating with a seller, it's all about time. I mean, it's really, it, it, in most cases it is. There's your one-off scenario where, hey, we can't close till March anyway. But for the most part, the seller's trying to close on a big transaction and receive a big check for their home and they don't want that delayed or that to be in doubt. And right. I'm just kind of curious from your guys' perspective, and I want to talk about it just as a whole, you know, being able to close loans quickly, no matter who the institution is, I mean, us or anybody else, how key that is not only to sellers and to buyers and to realtors. And it feels like, to me, it's the most underreported thing over the last 20 years as it relates to our business is how quickly can you get it done because that makes everybody's life easier. Everybody's focused on an eighth and rate. These guys are at 4125 and these guys are at 4. But it doesn't really matter if you never close, and it doesn't really matter if you close late and you incur penalties. So, of course, you want to get the best rate and the lowest fees, but just wanted to get everybody's perspective on closing quickly and what that really means to the transaction to all parties involved mm-hmm. well I, I i like you said up front we're very very excited i mean this is we've said it for years like the the strength of our company is our processor and our processing team by the time we get it in um you know we just have the ability to do it i'll use the example of you know one of my good friends the other day you know of course he's on it and i kind of told him hey i want to make a record at hall financial we literally had a loan clear to close in eight hours right <laughs> no appraisal was needed so of course we, we didn't rush an appraiser out and rush him back um i had you know tara one of our processors order the payoff you know the morning that i turned it in so we got a little bit of a head start but just you know thinking back 10 15 20 years to say that you could get a loan from start to finish clear to close we're not taking any shorts you know shortcuts all the regulations you know we have our investors that make sure that we're doing the right thing to close a loan in one day to close a loan in one week it wasn't something that was ever said and now it's feasible yeah um which is great 
I think the biggest thing about it, uh, especially in the purchase community, is the it just the confidence that it brings and the ease and the simplicity that it brings. I mean, the one the biggest thing to any purchase transaction that we can bring is certainty. You know what I mean? I mean, there is nothing worse than uncertainty yeah. of like, is this going to happen? Is it going to happen on time? It, you know what I mean? That will absolutely destroy the overall experience. And I'm a big like, you know, I'm a feel player, right? Like when you, it's an emotional thing when you purchase a home, and we play a huge, huge, huge part in that emotion. Um, it can be a great, positive, amazing experience. Or it can be downright terrifying. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it, and we we have a lot to do. We're holding those strings in a lot of that. So uh, I don't take that lightly. And I think it just it adds that that certainty piece to it that that is huge. Yeah, agreed. And F- Phil said this the other day as well. You know, one of the reasons we have the ability to do this and get it through the system is like, especially on our purchases, we don't just fling out pre-approval letter to fling out a pre-approval letter right i i sometimes take a little bit of a i guess defensive approach when a realtor calls me and on our pre-approval letters it says we have already verified income credit assets and i get real estate agents asking me so have you done this 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 and and in back of my mind i'm thinking to myself are you reading the letter but what i but what i've come to find out is they're just making sure they're doing their due diligence because most people aren't doing most that. People, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of an anomaly that somebody actually gets all the documents for a pre-approval, runs it through an underwriting system, gets a second set of eyes on it. That's a big thing I tell people, too, is in our pre-approvals, I'd say 90% of them, we have more than one loan officer looking at them. We all kind of work as a team and get involved and make sure we're thorough yeah. so we're not sending somebody out there to go buy a house that doesn't qualify. And on the speed part of it, I, just a very practical thing is I have a client right now that we're going to try to close before the end of December. They just got to offer accepted a couple of days ago. So if he closes in December, he's not going to have to pay the new mortgage payment until February 1st. And he's not going to have to pay another month's rent on his apartment for December. So you just have the ability to kind of move your first payment date out a little bit when you mm-hmm. can close quickly, maybe avoid another month of paying the landlord on your apartment. It just goes a long way for a lot of people. People yep. really love that. No questions. Yeah, a lot of them. A lot of intangibles. And I think that the sort of uh, the story behind the story here is, and we've all seen this, somebody goes out, they're going to look at some homes, maybe with an agent, maybe they haven't gotten pre-approved yet. They see something that they like, and so what do they want? They want to make an offer, and they just want you to send them a pre-approval, and they say, you know, we'll, 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 we'll verify everything later. Yeah. Well, you're not really you're not really pre-approved, you know. I mean, but at the same time, I don't want to stop you from making the offer, and of course, we want to work with you. And that's where there's like a line in the sand because most lenders will just send it, and then they'll and then if they have to deny them on financing later, they will. But that's not really how you're supposed to do it. No. I mean, really, the way you're <laughs> supposed to do it is before you ever talk to the realtor, you should talk to a hall financial or a lender so that you get all your ducks in a row so then you can go shopping but most people get in a car and go shopping even if they're out looking at open oh we really like this house we want to put an offer on it we're just looking at open houses today but they never did the due diligence up front which is so key and i mean we could create all the analogies to other things where you wouldn't do this before you did that but it happens every day in our business and that's where lenders are under pressure to just give out pre-approvals to people and sellers need to be 
aware of that and yeah. uh, and and i'm not sure how much mm-hmm. they really are that the people looking through your house are they really approved or were they sort of approved or was it like hey we'll deal with it later approval you know and, and those are all interesting yeah. things that call hall first yeah call hall first uh okay usda we've seen a little comeback here with usda loans recently faz you want to talk a little bit about who qualifies for usda and why it's good for them yeah, I mean, so, you know, first off, the qualifications. So we, we have a USDA program that offers um, a minimum credit score of 640, um, 0% down payment, um, and then you can actually get money back at closing as well. So we had a client the other day that put a $500 earnest money deposit down. She was receiving some concessions from the seller. So the seller was paying some of her closing costs. And so at the closing, she was actually able to get her $500 back. So literally the loan you know, cost her zero, um, which is fantastic. Now, a little bit about the USDA. It is in certain areas. You're not going to more than likely see a USDA loan like in the heart of Troy or in the heart of Canton. Um, It's more of the rural areas that you're going to find it. And then the income, you can actually qualify. Unlike a typical mortgage, you can use household income. So uh, Phil and his wife were looking for a home and they qualified for USDA. And, you know, Phil was the only one that was on on the loan for credit purposes he could still use his wife's income, yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. So another option out there for folks that relates to USDA, have you uh, run into many of these, Phil? Um, not a ton of them because there are specific areas, kind of like Foster said. Uh, I just think the people that do qualify for it, it's a great program. I mean, there's not. You have mortgage insurance with a 0% down payment, very inexpensive per month. You have the ability to buy a house where a lot of those people are told by other companies, Hey, call us back in twelve months when you got a couple grand saved. So yep. right. gives CP people an grew up in the sticks. Probably a lot of USDA loans up there in the sticks where you grew up. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, you know, <laughs> although we'll, now it's a developed area, and you got to go further yeah. north near it's my brother good. to be in the that's sticks. Right. You know, that's right. your brother. Um, my the brother. point I'll make on that though is, you know, when you compare something like this to some of like the down payment assistance programs that I think are are a lot more popular in terms of at least people have heard of it. Yeah, I mean, how many people we get calling? Hey, I, down payment assistance. You know, I mean, this is a world's better program. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't result in a second lien. I mean, we could go on and on about why this is so much better. So, it's a good point. Yeah. Uh, we launched a new website. Jess, you just wanted to toss that in there. I like that. Yeah. yeah, new website. Hall Financial's got a new website. Shameless plug from our sponsor. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Uh, winter, great time to purchase a home in Michigan. We've talked about this a little bit, um, just from the standpoint of. Far, far less competition. You know, putting on the boots and going out in the snow and it's 20 degrees, not as desirable as the, you know, 74-degree day in June when you can go out looking at homes. Have you guys found that uh, some of your buyers are finding less competition? Because I know I've found that over the years. Thoughts on that? Well, I think the biggest thing that we're seeing is a lot of the people – I talked about this last time on the show. Got pre-approved in June or July. Looked, didn't find anything. Whatever it got may outbid. be, got outbid. Got outbid. Whatever yep. that may be. And then you know they had this little hold in August and September where like they were you know back to school and doing all the things. Sports are starting up again. And now we have more and more people that were pre-approved and we had to you know re-pre-approve them because it's only good for so long. Um, and now to David's point, we're seeing more and more people. Purchases obviously typically come down a little bit in the winter months because I've said it many times, I don't want to move in Michigan, but right now is a great time to buy a house in Michigan. Yeah, from the competition aspect, kind of like David said too, not many people do want to move in the middle of winter. So when I have somebody pre-approved that's going to put an offer on a house, the seller's in the same boat. So obviously there's some situation there 
where they're willing to grin and bear it to move in the middle of winter in Michigan. So get the snow boots out, and they want to move as well. That's why they're listing their house in December. So it just gives buyers an opportunity. Sellers are probably more motivated if they have their house listed in the winter where most people are going to say, oh, I'll just wait till March. If they're putting a listing up December 17th, there's got to be a reason behind it. You yeah. could probably get a pretty good deal. That's the point I was going to make. Yeah, if, if, if the, you don't have as many people just uh, throw it up there and just sort of see what happens, you know, who aren't really willing to negotiate and come down and, and things like that. So no question. And obviously less buyers, less headaches. And then here's the wars. here's the dirty little secret of the whole thing behind the scenes. I got interviewed on this the other day, and I, I talked about this. And I said, realtors are human. And the reason that I said that is because it's just – it's not – what I'm about to say is going to make it sound like that it's like uh, like a bad thing. But it's it's the reality of the human condition. When you're busy in the summer and you got buyers and listings everywhere, you're, you're run ragged. These realtors in November, December, January, they're looking to do a deal. Mm-hmm. They, they want to do a deal. So whether it be and, – and I'm not saying that it's, it's not negative. It's just human is that they're going to work harder to help you get that house right now if you're a buyer because they want to do a deal. Because what, what does every realtor say November through February? Slow. I'm slow. slow. I'm slow. Yeah. That's what they spring. say. Wait yeah. for spring. So they're going to work harder to either yeah. help you buy that home or help you sell your home in these winter months because they don't have as much going on. It's not negative about realtors. It's just the human condition. When mm-hmm. we're all busy, sometimes we get a little sloppy with other things. But when we're not busy, we are laser focused on that one that you know we've got right there in front of us. Yep. And so that's like the biggest thing to me is why it's a great time to buy a home in the winter is that realtors aren't busy and they want to create business for themselves. And yep. so that that's just the thing that over the years has always struck me. And that's why if I were thinking about, especially if you don't have a family and you don't have to move a family out of a school district or whatever it is, if you're thinking about buying a home and you're a single person or maybe you're married without kids, I think the winter time is the time to take advantage of it where you have a competitive advantage over where you're going to be come April or May. Not that, I mean, buying a house in the spring or summer is great, and most people do that in the state of Michigan due to climate and other things. But if you have the opportunity to do it in the fall or winter, I highly recommend it because I think that's where you get your best bang for your buck. Um, October home sales, just a little factoid here. Um, the new median price right now in the United States of America is 313000 for those of you that did not hmm. know. Uh, and I think there's a lot of debate right now if it's a buyer's or seller's market. I think it's really a toss-up right now. I mean, for you, we've been in a seller's market for a while. Right now, I think it's a little bit more 50-50. You guys agree with that? Yeah, I, I'd say so, too. I'd say 50-50. Um, over the past 24 months, I'd say 18 of them have been probably more of a seller's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Each month, it seems that goes by, it becomes buyers have more and more representation, more power, and it's kind of tilting the scales a little bit, yep. at least from what I've seen. Yep. Last two subjects, and um, we'll get through them here quickly because we've had a great show. Credit card debt. Uh, good article on CNBC about the scoring model and why revolving credit card debt can kill your credit score. So just to summarize the article, and, and there's a number of things that people don't understand about credit card debt. First of all, the average American right now carries about $8,000 a month in credit card debt. Ooh. And the usage on your credit card debt is really important. This is something that I've talked to folks about. This probably got more what I call eyebrow raising than anything else is that if you have a credit card and you have a $15,000 maximum on it and you're constantly running that up to thirteen or 14000 which you would think is fine, 
that's going to affect your score Absolutely. a lot more than if you have a $50,000 credit card limit that you're running up to 13, 14. So this, the same guy is using his credit card. Me and me and Foster are both running our credit card up every month, uh, 10 or 12 grand for convenience, but he's got a $50,000 limit and I got a $13,000 limit. I got a lower credit score yep. by, by nature. So these are just interesting things that we like to, you know, bring to the people so that they understand, you know, how it works to some degree. Um, and I don't know how many people I've talked to over time where I've looked at their credit and it's like, man, this guy's got perfect payments, just like this other guy here. But this guy's got a 762 score, top bucket. This guy's got a 718 score, not top bucket, still good credit. Right. But those are sometimes the little variances that we find with the credit. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's a great article. And there's a lot of interesting little things. I had no idea. Once you get over 5% utilization on that credit card, that's when it starts affecting your score. Mm-hmm. 30% has always been this sort of number. Yeah. Uh, and this article basically tells you that's just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, right. Well, one of the things that you can do is. Beep. <laughs> Sorry. Is this a no, no, uh, <laughs> no delay, though? This, this is a G rated show, yeah. Foss. Um, so, anyway, a lot of great information about credit. And um, if, you, if you want more on that article, it's a CNBC article called uh, The Rule of Thumb About Credit Card Use, if you want to check that out online. Um, reducing PMI, we talked about la- last subject of the show uh, this week. Well, we'll go happy Thanksgiving last subject. So this will be second to last subject. How the election is going to affect rates. I mean, the biggest question I'm getting right now is, what do you think is going to happen with rates next year? Of course, nobody knows. Nope. We didn't think that we'd have as great a 2019 as we have in terms of favorable interest rates. But... My thoughts on, on on rates next year is typically running up to an election, you don't find rates rising in that type of an environment because it's not good for the incumbent, and somehow that just sort of magically happens, you know, and it doesn't matter who's in office, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, usually in an election year, you'll find that things stay pretty steady. But that said, it's a different world today than in the past. I don't know. All bets are off. I don't know what's going to happen. Any thoughts about predictions? I mean, we could get some of you guys on the record. No record. You want to go on the record, Philly? No, I'm good. I'll pass. No. All depends on the impeachment. Bunch of politicians. (laughs) You got a prediction on the impeachment? Oh, heck no. So happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners out there. And uh, I don't know, I'm thankful for uh, having the show and everybody here. And uh, just didn't know if you guys maybe wanted to give out a little Thanksgiving shout out to end the show, Phil. Yeah. Make sure you talk uh, to your lovely wife. She's oh, yeah. Got to like give a shout out to the wife. Thankful yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just thankful to live in this great country. Thankful to have an awesome company that we work for and thankful for all the consumers that we get to help on a day, daily basis, yeah. purchase, refinance, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. pretty grateful. Yeah. I echo those thoughts, friends, family. Absolutely. Uh, the thing I will say, too, is be very, very careful on uh, Friday. It's Black Friday. Mm hmm. Um, I saw a stat that uh, since 2006, there have been 11 deaths directly related to Black Friday. Like shopping? Shopping. Shopping deaths? Over 100 documented injuries. Yeah. Does so. anybody do Black I, I haven't been to a... a <laughs> Never. I, does anybody go shopping? I'm no. like, Phil probably does. No. Oh, yeah. We, we'll go for two hours just to people walk. You're going to go Thanksgiving night. Oh, yeah. yeah. 4 a.m. 4 some, p.m. Some stores started open yeah. Thanksgiving night Thanksgiving now. night. Instead yep. of the cheaper TV, let us just help you refinance and save that money. Yeah. There you go. Stay in your home. If you go out <laughs> into the wild on Black Friday, I give you a lot of credit. Unbelievable. That, that'd be at the bottom of the list of things I'm probably ever going to do. Yeah. CP, will you be out there? Are you crazy? No. no. <laughs> okay. Glenn Arbor has a good uh, I will Friday. not be out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Big shout out and thankful for the uh, the CEO of our company. Uh, happy anniversary to my wife this past Sunday. Twelve years 12 dealing years with of me. Up with Faz. Yeah. So and and then last but not least, Big Mac football this weekend. Central Michigan at home versus the Toledo Rockets, seven and four. Westerns on the road versus Northern Illinois. If Central wins and Western loses. Central's in the MAC championship game at Ford Field December 7th, which means I would not make it to the holiday party. Yeah, right. Well, I would r- <laughs> much rather funny. watch either of those games than that other one. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Go Blue. Oh, please. It's a big game this Saturday. We're going to no get chance. off the schneid with Ohio no State. Chance. Yeah. I, I'm a Michigan fan, but oof. No. We'll see. It'll be tight. We'll see. We'll see. 35-27. Go Blue. There we go. I like that. Chris, thank you. Thanks, Chris. Great job. Thanks, Jess, Jess, thank you. For everybody at Live on Real Estate, maybe the soon-to-be-renamed show, we'll, we'll have to talk about that behind the scenes. I'm David Hall. Have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving.